accountants. It's time to make it count. My name is Freddie Bennett, former accounting industry executive turned entrepreneur, business owner, change maker, and Guinness world record holder. In each episode, we bring you the powerhouses from across the accounting world to help you discover how to unlock endless possibilities, turbocharge your accounting practice, and make it count in business and in life. Thank you for showing up for yourself today. Now, let's dive into another unmissable episode of Make It Count. Welcome to another show-stopping episode of Make It Count. And today, folks, I have got a real treat for you. We like to bring in the biggest businesses, the biggest players in the accounting world, and today is no exception. I am delighted to welcome to the Make It Count studio, Jamie Weddell, advisory partner consultant at the one and only Zero. Jamie, welcome to Make It Count. Thanks, Freddie. I'm excited to be here and looking forward to getting into some of these questions. Exactly. We are very excited to have you here. I know this is going to be a superb episode. So, Jamie, for anyone that, that hasn't heard of Zero in the accounting industry or hasn't heard of you, tell us a bit about yourself and, uh, and what you do. Sure. Thanks, Freddie. So I am a chartered accountant and was in practice for 10 years before I came to Zero, and really enjoyed my time there, moving through a lot of roles, starting at graduate accountant, moving through leadership and operations management through to associate director before I made the wild decision to have a bit of a career change mid you know, just before a pandemic and while pregnant with my second child and looking at software engineering. But um, while doing that, decided that I needed to find a space where I could utilize my accounting skills whilst building up my software skills. And Xero is the absolute perfect place for that. So reached out to uh, SuPAC and there was a fantastic role going that was advisory partner consultant, which is quite a new space for Zero. but it is a fantastic role where we're looking at how we can support accountants with what they're doing. The industry is getting more into that advisory space, and there's a lot of people out there that are really curious about it, want to do more, but just need a bit of accountability, a bit of support wrapped around that, and that's where I come in. So I work with accounting firms how can the software help them do more? How can we support them to do more with their clients so that we're ultimately helping them make life better for small businesses? Amazing. I love that. And I can't wait to dive deeper into it because I imagine you have that wealth of rich experience having been sat on the accountant side of the desk and now also on the partner and the more technological side of the desk as well. And, and we all know the many struggles that, that accountants face, especially to, when it comes to delivering and selling advisory. So we will definitely have a, a deeper exploration of that. But let's go back to the beginning first, Jamie. And you, you talked about your chartered accountant background. Was that always on the cards for you? Was accounting written in the stars as you were, as you were younger? It was always around when I was uh, thinking of what I wanted to be when I was older. Um, my sister, who is 13 years older than me, she studied accounting at university and mm. she was someone I always looked up to. She was an auditor at EY. And so that was always something that was in the background. But I had a lot of big dreams. I 
wanted to be, say, a marine biologist, but doesn't work when you're afraid of open water and <laughs> wanted to be a veterinarian, but it doesn't work when you're allergic to animals. So <laughs> I kind of kept coming back to this accounting idea. But when I first left high school, I ended up doing a chef course. Mm. I loved being in the kitchen, loved working with food, but unfortunately got quite unwell while I was doing that and got chronic fatigue syndrome, mm. which means being in a hot kitchen on your feet, it just doesn't work so well. I had to leave that part way through and needed to find something that I could study at home. And I loved the idea of working in office. Then my mum worked in office. It was a great culture. Lots of You work with your mates often if you find that right space, mm. which was really cool. And seen my sister doing accounting, which looked really interesting. And I was a math geek at school. So I love working <laughs> in maths. I, my husband likes to tease me about being a mathlete through high school. <laughs> um, so accounting degree seemed like the perfect fit to mm. go from there, something I could study at home. And started a few papers and kind of got the bug, was getting good grades, wanted to keep going with this. And it was something that I could do while working too. Mm. So I was able to start work with a law firm and get into their accounts. And so I was able to get that experience while I was working um, and completing this degree and really enjoyed working with the firm to see how what we could do, work with the team to look at those numbers, working with our clients in the law firm with their settlements, all that sort of thing. Really enjoyed it. And it meant for me that when I finished, I had a lot of experience and was able to then take that through into working with the CA firm. Amazing. So I kind of hit the ground running at that point. Yeah, you did. And I think it's a few areas that we could absolutely unpack there, but I'd love that point that you made and around the experience. What's your view on that? Because I know that, especially in the accounting industry, we know that everyone in accounting is generally quite good at, at learning and passing tests. And uh, we all get a bit of a thrill from yeah, another exam to study at ACE and everything else. But how important do you feel that there are, say, real world or at least real accounting world experiences to create well-rounded, successful accountants? I think having that experience from, say, the other side of the fence, from the client perspective, helps us put ourselves in their shoes mm. and know what they're doing day to day when we're uh, working with them. Because it can be very easy to sit behind a computer and just see the numbers. Mm. You're getting your debits, your credits, and it's just numbers in that space. But behind those numbers are real people with real decisions, real goals, real lives on the line. And sitting within a practice and seeing how it works, the people behind it, what it means when you're doing those budgets and what it affects in those people's jobs, their lives, helps give a much better understanding to how they operate and what it means, those numbers that when you're dealing with them as an accountant how that can affect what's going on for them. Absolutely. And I think, as you say, we can learn so much in the classroom or, or online or from our usual learning, but it's only by being, it's such a cliche, but it's true, either in the client's shoes or in the other person's shoes. And we can only get that by sometimes stepping out of our comfort zone and stepping into the other person's shoes, which can be a bit of a challenge. And how do you find the, uh, say, uh, someone who's a self-confessed mathlete, in terms of the, dare I say, the, the softer skills and the people skills, as you went through your chartered accountant career, is that something that you embraced or was that a challenge? I suppose I embraced the challenge of it. Mm. <laughs> I knew that I wanted to get to a particular place in my career. And to do that, you've got to embrace those softer skills. Mm. It's hard to be a director without facing those clients, without being able to talk to your team. And so whilst as a kid, I was incredibly shy. I didn't want to stand up in front of people and do speeches. 
Um, I didn't want to be at the forefront of things. I had trouble with uh, starting conversations and things. And so Mm. it meant that I had to lean into how I was going to learn that, Mm. what challenges I was going to embrace to be able to talk to the numbers and talk to the clients. And so I had to start taking opportunities to do more of that, start looking at where I could take on something that might mean I'm standing in front of the team Mm. training or that I'm going to talk to a few more clients and start building up those skills and then watching others that I saw as really good at it. And how did they do this? What paths did they take to learn this? And also starting to understand that most people I know that are good at it are still really nervous (laughs) at it. There's very few of them that stand up there and are like, I'm completely confident and comfortable up here with no nerves. Mm. Most people have an element of that and we just don't see it. I think you're absolutely right. And it's those micro decisions that we have to make always towards growth. And by, by choosing to move towards growth, we're also choosing discomfort because the comfortable option of staying quiet, of not volunteering, of not having the conversation, of not making the presentation, those are the nice, easy, softer, comfortable choices, but they also don't result in growth. And I think that that's really what clearly what your actions are demonstrated. That if you want to grow, if you want the things you never had before, you must do the things you've never done before, which is very much the case of, as you say, putting yourself in these these situations that can feel quite uncomfortable. I agree. And I think for me as well, there's an element of my ADHD helping me there because I would see the new and the novel and the shiny and say, mm. yes and then have to deliver at the end. So I kind of, you know, jumped on things and then just have to figure out how I'm going to do that thing, how Mm. I'm going to eat that elephant that I've (laughs) accepted I've got to eat. And you mentioned the ADHD there. And is that something that you you struggle with uh, or that you certainly encounter quite a lot still? It's something that I've uh, had to learn to deal with. I'm only um, in my first year of diagnosis. Mm. And so it's something that I've learned over time how to deal with without realizing it's what I was dealing with. So I learned lots of tactics, um, watched other people that probably had it as well, learning how to manage things, how to focus um, in meetings or use certain tactics to drive myself forward. Now, knowing I've got it, allows me to have compassion for myself, but Mm. also to really embrace the tools and to be open with people and say, hey, here is something I need because my memory doesn't work very well. Mm. Or just listening to something, I'm not going to pick up everything. So I've got to take notes or I've got to have a visual. It's really interesting. Uh, Thank you for your openness and and honesty with that. And uh, as a a Make It Count podcast exclusive, um, that's, that's a process that I'm going through at the moment in terms of that diagnosis process. And for a long time, yeah, I've said uh, shiny object syndrome is is huge for me. Says the person who said, "Start a podcast. What a good idea!" Okay, let's do that. And and sometimes it can be. Yeah, starting a podcast is is really fun, and exciting. When you're fifty episodes down the line, that's when we sort of struggle with these things. And yeah, it, certainly impulse control is something that I've been struggling with. Shall we say again? Says the person who said. 12,000 miles to New Zealand. That sounds like a good idea. Let's let's pack our bags and go. But, but I think you're right. I, I believe a lot of people in the professional world, um, either diagnosed or undiagnosed, but this is something that they encounter and struggle with. And for me personally, I spent so long just thinking, this is the way I am. Am I a bit broken? Am I Am I not quite right? Am I just a poor performer in certain areas? Do I suffer from shiny object? But then it was only when we start exploring things that we think, oh, actually, maybe a few different things add up. And there's a, an explanation for some of this. 
And that's one of the things I definitely found. I was getting the same feedback from multiple different places. Mm. Um, and it seemed like it was the feedback that was holding me back. I wasn't participating in meetings in the way that someone at my level should be able to. Mm. And I couldn't figure out what was the thing that was stopping me. And that was one of the things that led me to go down that diagnosis path. But what I've found since is that by being open and by talking about it more, people, one, understand me, and two, I find people like yourselves who are either going through it or had these issues too and suddenly go, here's my light bulb moment. Mm. It's not just that I'm not good at this. My brain operates in a different way. And actually now I can get support. Now I can talk to people. Now we can work together. Definitely. And it's so many things like that when if the more we talk about things to each other and are open with things, the more support we can give each other and lean into. Absolutely. I 100% agree. And I think a lot of people listening to this uh, are going to certainly relate to your story and what you're saying. And that's why I know it makes such a big difference with everything to do with our health, our bodies, our thoughts, to be open and then communicate more around it. And I wanted to explore also, Jamie, the journey as such. She had the being in practice for 10 years as a chartered accountant. And then when the career change started to come into your mind, especially, as you say, around a new child and, and pandemics and so on, was this always something that you wanted to do? Was there kind of like a, a growing realisation of maybe there's something else out there? Or was it like a maybe more of an ADHD light bulb moment that again I've had before. Like I'm I'm gonna go and do this now and, and off we off we go. <laughs> I think it was a few elements of that. The software piece had always been in the background for me. I'd dabbled in coding as a bit of a hobby. If you looked at my YouTube uh, watch history, there was probably quite a number of elements <laughs> that would give it away. And even when I was doing my accounting degree and those extra CA papers, mm. they were logic and algebra and things that would tie in to the software. So I think it was always floating at the background, mm. but I'd never stopped and really thought about what it was that I wanted to do, what it was that really uh, sort of lit my fire in terms of a career. Mm. And whilst I really enjoyed accounting and working with the people in the firm and working with the clients, it was the problem-solving element of the accounting and working with the software side of things that was what I really, really enjoyed. Mm. And so kind of I had to, you know, stop and make sure it wasn't going to be a shiny moment thing because despite the fact not knowing it was ADHD, <laughs> I knew I was a uh, shiny things person. Yep. So I had to make sure it wasn't going to be. But, you know, one of the key moments for me was sitting, funnily enough, at a Xerocon, mm. listening to Mark Manson speak about everybody's got problems, yeah. but you've got to pick the problems that you want to have mm. in order to have a satisfying life. And I sat there and went, I don't currently have the problems I want to have. I'm not in the space where I'm having those right sort of problems. So I need to figure out what it is that it's, I need to make a change in. Mm. Is it going to be my role? Is it going to be something in lifestyle? And went and talked to a career counsellor, funnily enough, and really sat and digested what is it I enjoy doing mm. and where do I want to go and took that time to make sure that whatever, because I was going to make a big change, I was the breadwinner at the time. Mm. Um, we knew we wanted to have a second child. It was going to be a big lifestyle change for our family. So any changes that I was going to make, I had to make sure that I was making the right one. I love that, the, the pick the problem that, that you want to have. I'll go back to that in a second, but I think it's a key point that and I found this as well in terms of my own business that I run with accounting firms. And 
I was getting myself caught in a trap of saying, when I've achieved this amount of money, then I'll finish early on a Friday. When I've achieved this, then I'll spend more time with the kids. When I've achieved this, then then I could go to the beach on a Monday morning. And I was like, hang on, no, I'm doing this the wrong way around. It was only when I started leading the life that I wanted to live now, then the other stuff started to appear, rather than always just kicking it further down the road and say, when this happens, then I'll be happy. When this happens, then I'll start to pursue my hobbies. Actually, I was like, no, I'm gonna, I'm going to do what I want to do now and start to build my business and myself around those goals. And then, as we said, that's when the, the stars start to align. And it sounds like it may be something similar for you then in terms of what life do we want to create for, for myself and, and the family and what can fit around that, not the other way around. Absolutely. And I don't know whether it's a age thing or a confidence thing, but I find like you, you've set, I've settled into that. This life is about me and what I actually want to have on a day-to-day basis as opposed to that, as you say, that when I get there, mm. because what if I never get there? What if we don't get to that point ever? And so you've got to embrace what you can do now. And I know that all those decisions I'm making or whatever I'm trying to achieve, it's still trying to have that balance of, is it this week I need to put all that time into the study so that I can get done and get finished and mm. have that more time? Or do I need to stop a bit and have that time with my kids? And making sure it's a constant check-in and not just waiting for the, when I've finished this, I can do this. Definitely. I realized that a while ago. I was so obsessed with being a, being a, being a six-figure business person or a seven-figure business person, but I wasn't being a six-figure father. I wasn't being a six-figure friend. I wasn't being a six-figure coach to my clients. And it's it's only when we totally flip our perspective that we can really be the best version of ourselves. It's not what we do, it's who we become. And I think that that's always key for us. And, and I have to ask as well, Jamie, and just to take it a step back to that Zero Conference when you talk about picking the problems you want to have, as much as you are willing to share, what problems did you have and what problems did you want to have in, in those moments? The problems that I was potentially having at the time was not feeling like I was in the right space. Mm. And the problems that I had at the time were not feeling like I was in the right space. And I was trying to figure out what was wrong about the space I was in. Was it that I was feeling like I wasn't good enough mm. to be at the level I was at and working with the people I was at. So was I not actually good enough? Did I need to get myself upskilled into the right level or was I feeling imposter syndrome mm. and feeling like everyone around me is better than I am, even if we were on the same level? Mm. And I was just not feeling like I was in the right place for all those sort of things. And potentially I wasn't talking enough to you know, leadership team there Mm. and being open about that and saying, hey, I don't feel like I fit necessarily or I don't feel like I'm doing as well as I could. So the problem a lot around was just I felt like I wasn't doing the best I could Mm. in that space and I didn't have the passion that I thought I needed for both the clients because I believe they've really got to be looked after and they should be looked after by someone that is invested in how they're going but also has the passion to understand the elements of business to look after them. Mm. And whilst I would be invested in where they're going and want to help them, I stopped believing I was the best person for it. Mm. I wanted someone else to take them over and look after them. And same in the business with the leadership team. I don't want to be taking up space where I've lost my passion there. 
And that's, I don't believe it was good for them if I'm not committed and feeling great and really into it. If I'm just holding that space, I want them to be looked after too. Yeah. So there was just not feeling like I was the right piece in the puzzle mm. at that point. I certainly can relate to that and feeling that um, both that I wasn't the right piece of the puzzle and the fact that I needed a piece of the puzzle to be complete. I always felt I was missing a breakthrough. I was missing a I was thinking, one more book, one more training course, one more mentor, ironically, one more podcast uh, is going to be the one thing that I need. I kept on thinking that I'll hear the right phrase or the right quote, and that's going to be like a light bulb moment and everything will change. But really, I realized that the breakthrough happens after the action, not before. And then it sounds like you, you started to take that action and say, well, let's make this change. Let's step out of, of your comfort zone and, and embrace this these new sets of problems that you want to have. And then as we shift to the role at zero, why was it zero? Why did zero say light that light bulb and make you think this is where my future lies? I think it was always zero, to be mm. fair. <laughs> From the moment I stepped into uh, Kendon's when I first started with them, I think that first week I went and got my certification mm. and I was always into zero and into the software, of course. And I'd, I really enjoyed working with the teams at Zero, So I got to deal with my account manager quite a lot of the time. I uh, got to talk to some of the development teams as they were trialing out things. Mm. And so, and you work with a number of the team there and always enjoyed the culture, enjoyed what I'd seen. And once I dropped the bombshell on Kendon's and the poor directors got over their shock, <laughs> one of the first things they actually said to me is, have you reached out to Zero? Have you reached out to your, the people that you know there that might be able to help you? So once I finished at Kendon's, had um, my daughter and had that break, one of the first things I did was call up Sue Pack mm. and say, hey, I'm looking to get back into full-time work. Is there any recommendations for people I can talk to or anything going on? And funnily enough, she was working with the partner consulting team and this new role. And so it was the first thing she flicked through to me and said, hey, take a look at this. And originally, it wasn't actually the sort of role I was looking for. I wanted to get straight into software. Mm. But we had a good chat and realized that this is the sort of role that can I can start that journey, but be able to use those accounting skills, use those business skills. And it turned it was a really great role for getting to know the business mm. and for getting to see what accounting firms needed, needed help with and starting to work with them. And it's allowed me to see what is happening within Zero, what's happening with the tech space, and what more accounting firms are needing help with, what support they need. Because I'd been in one firm, and I can get a perspective that way. But once you start going behind the doors of all these other firms, you see what's common across all of them. Looking at the role now, I think you're right in terms of that amazing position to understand not only such a powerful company as in zero, but also the challenges and problems that accounting firms are facing and what they need. What are the main insights that you've got for this um, in terms of for, for all of the accountants listening at the moment who are probably struggling with all sorts of, of different issues? What could you be saying to them in terms of how can we help set them up to be as successful as possible? One of the most common problems I see across a lot of firms is capacity. Mm. Everyone's struggling with it, whether it's they've got so much work coming in the door or whether they just can't find those team members. There is not enough accountants out there. Um, and so every firm I see is struggling with capacity, which means then when they want to make changes, 
it's hard to do on your own. Mm. You're trying to be leading a firm of uh, people with not enough people there. You're trying to look after all your clients. And then if you try to throw a change or something on top of that, that's a lot to manage. And so one thing I really like about what I'm doing at the moment is to be able to support those firms and say, hey, there's lots of you out there that could use some help. Mm. How about we help you? How can we help you? to make those changes by providing you, um, connecting you with resources like The Gap, mm-hmm. by providing you insights to other people, by providing you a peer group that you can work together and see how other people are tackling some of the challenges you're having, getting support from other people and feeling like you're not alone in that space. Definitely. And uh, do you think that loneliness is key? Because I know a lot of uh, this is a lot of the, the, the businesses that I work with and, and, and my accounting clients there's something of that lone wolf syndrome, either either accountants say, I have to go it alone because it's my business and I'm the business owner and this is the way it has to be. Or maybe just feeling that there's no one else that quite has the same problems or the same struggles or anything else. How how important do you think is it for accountants to be around other accountants or the business owners that are facing these challenges? I think it's really important. And I think you've hit it there with the feeling like I'm the only one struggling with mm. things. I'm the only one that's got these team problems. I'm the only one that has this particular set of problems. And the more we can get people to talk together, the more they can say, it's not just me. It's not to downplay struggles, but I'm not unique in these challenges and I can lean on someone else to help me with it. We can work together. And I think too often people are afraid to lift that lid because there's a competitive space. Mm. What if they find out what I'm really like and take my clients because of it. When there is just so much work out there, there are so many new businesses starting up that we can help. And more often than not, that most firms want to actually help each other and lift up the whole industry. Mm. And the firms that I've seen do really well are the ones that are working together with other accountants and helping lift up each other, pooling resources, being able to talk to each other. And sometimes that means connecting with firms around the country so you're not in the same direct space as each other but it just opening those doors creates such a good support network to help each other lift that industry up definitely and i think in terms of that support as well i'd love to get your view on this again as, as someone who say who came from this background of the mathlete side and the, the numerical side and as we we know here on make it count so much of what accountants are having to do right now is that more shifts to advisory and the shift there i say softer skills and sales and everything else skills that traditionally are non-accounting skills what do you think we can do to help accountants through that and, and is there anything in particular that the zero is doing as well to help accountants to overcome that challenge I think there's potentially two elements to it. First might be, um, and this is what came up at ZeroCon for us, is looking at the brand image accounting has. Mm. It is that traditional number crunching is what a lot of people see it as, sitting with a spreadsheet, just typing behind a computer. And whilst I love a good spreadsheet, (laughs) like most accountants, there is more that people can do beyond that. And there's more exciting elements to it. And there's more that we're changing clients' lives around it. So bringing that new piece to the brand image of accountants will bring in more of those people that have different skill sets. They might come from banking, they might come from other elements, but they can bring it and support it and help others with that soft skill set. Mm. And then for those that are in the industry and wanting to build it up, it's creating a support around them too, mm. letting them know it's they don't just have to have it now. You're not going to go out and see a client all on your own. 
how do we help support them to start that journey? How do we take them along for meetings so they can shadow and see how it's done? How can they give a go in small elements and we can support them to do that? I see at times where people are so busy that they don't have time to take someone out and support them, but how do we help people be more efficient so that they can have that time to support the next generation? Mm. To me, it's a lot around that being efficient in order to be able to support each other and to grow those skills. I think you've hit the nail on the head, and it's such a paradox that I see that accountants are smart. They know what they should be doing. They know what they need to be doing. But it's about creating the time, the space, the confidence, the habits to do so. And and I see this a lot with partners and directors. In terms of, as you say, bringing up the next generation, the leaders of the future, the succession plan and everything else. Everyone's saying, I know what I should do. I know I need to be bringing them up. I know we should be doing more training, more coaching, more development, more support, but we haven't got the time. How do we get the time? By getting them to step up, but we can't get them to step up. And it just keeps going round and round a negative cycle. And is there anything that you'd say around that? How we're never going to have more time it's always my opinion we, we all have 24 hours and we're good on make it count but we're not good enough to change time unfortunately maybe that's a series two thing but what do we do for the time stretched accountants which isn't going to change what would you say that in your experience could work for them to help them create that capacity i think you're really you've had it there freddie with the um these accountants know how to do it. Mm. They know how to do the advisory piece. They're skilled. There's a reason these guys are good and have lots of clients. But a lot of them are working 60-hour weeks already. Mm. And short of not sleeping, (laughs) there's no more time in the day. So Mm. it's finding the systems that can help them, Mm. finding things where they don't have to create something all on their own. So using resources like the gap mm. to pull that business advisory work in for them so that they aren't having to recreate the wheel. Um, it's talking to people like us at Zero, and where we have a program that can help you lift and shift that. We can get you together with other firms and start to help educate your team perhaps so mm. that you're not having to do it all as the head of accountant there. Finding those sort of things, you can teach your team scalably support you to do things, uh, perhaps make yourself more efficient so Mm. that those directors, those leaders in accounting firms are doing what they do best and not doing all of the work. Definitely. Because it's so easy to fall into that trap where they want to do it all when actually their skill set is over here talking to people and educating people, working with the clients on the higher level stuff Mm. and not in some of the doing that they can easily fall into the trap of doing. 100%. Whether it's just the way all of us in the accounting industry think or our background or what, but we always think more is the answer. Another framework, another process, another structure. Success comes from subtraction. It comes from taking away things. It comes from removing all the things that are holding us back, that are slowing us down, that are tripping us up. Success does not come from more. It comes from taking away. And I think it's helping through programs that the Gap does, and as you say, through programs that the Zero does as well. That is is key. It's showing accountants what they can take away from their life, how they can simplify, how they can streamline. And to go back to the Mark Manson quote that you were saying, it's about how to give them a different set of problems, not adding more to their plate that's just going to give them more problems. It should be problems through subtraction and nothing else. Absolutely. And letting the team take on things. 
Definitely. Trusting that delegation piece is huge. And we all say, I get this as well, no one could do it as good as me. And uh, then my ego starts talking, but I'm the best. No one understands it like I do. Um, but we have to let go because, um, as you say, we have so many, and I'm so passionate about this, the accountants that are working 60 hours a week that are just thinking, well, if one thing's got to give, then it's either going to be sleep or time with my family. And it shouldn't be like that, as you've showed. It should be, what is the life that I want, not the life that I'm having to sacrifice in order for everything else? Because that's what I believe, that accountants struggle to see themselves as trusted advisors. How can you be a trusted advisor if you can't even trust yourself? And that's what the structures that we could put in place to achieve. And absolutely, it's, it's sitting back and looking at what you're doing and treating yourself like one of your clients. Definitely. If your client was working this hard, mm. what would you say to them and how to make that next step forward? So treat yourself like one of your clients, take your own advice. I love that, definitely. I always say, um, if you spoke to your clients the way you speak to yourself, then you probably wouldn't have many clients. So treat yourself as you treat your clients is great advice, definitely. And a quick look now, Jamie, to the future. How does the future look for you, for your role, for Zero? What do you think that the industry is going to be looking like in the next 12 months? What does the next year or so look like in, in general for you? I think that's a big question, Freddie. It is indeed, um, <laughs> yeah. We don't do small questions here on Make It Count. <laughs> For me, it's finishing my degree and moving into that tech space, but at the same time, making sure I leave my role in a great place that enables the team to keep helping mm. accounting firms so that we keep working closely with them and supporting them to grow to that next level, to get to where they want to be, to do more with their clients and support them through that because AI is never going to come in and take over mm. what they're doing in the next year or two or perhaps even 10. But accountants may be doing more of what the humans should do while the tech does more of that processing. Mm. So there's going to be that element where we need to have more of those soft skills in there, more of the business now versus the processing element of it. So if I can leave the space that I'm in in a great place to support accountants with learning more of that, I'd be really happy. And then being able to move into the tech space where I can take this accounting knowledge with me and how can I support wherever I am in that product space to understand accountants, how they're using the tools day to day, how businesses are using the tools day to day mm. and grow my knowledge in there. You know what, Jamie, I, I think you know many accountants won't have heard of this little plucky startup called Zero, but um, I think with people like you there, you know, I think... I think this little zero company might turn into something. Uh, I think it's going to be one that I'm going to keep an eye on. <laughs> but, you might make it big one day. Yeah, I think uh, I think I think there's something there with zero. I think maybe more accountants should learn about it. Um, but obviously, <laughs> no, they. Uh, I know zero is is superbly lucky to have you, and it is an absolute powerhouse. And I know with you there, it's going to go from strength to strength. That's for sure. And Jamie, we are now coming to the end of the podcast, except for the one. Final question. Uh, as you know, we have the tradition here on Make It Count where the previous guest gets to ask a secret question of the current guest, which is you. And I do not know this question myself. So through a very uh, a very technological process here, which involves going through my email, uh, I will pick up what we have here. So it's, uh, oh, it's an interesting, interesting one this week, that's for sure. So, Jamie, your, uh, your secret question is... What is the most courageous thing you've ever done and how did it make you feel? I mean, there's, there's lots of things I've done where I'd say I've been quite 
phrase. And it might, uh, you know, jumping off bridges, jumping off planes feels like quite a brave thing to me. But I think probably the most courageous thing would have been the career change, Mm. would have been stepping out of something that I'd worked on for 10 years that I knew I could succeed in Mm. and could keep going and could stay in that safe space and where I was earning well, where I was looking after my family, but taking that step forward for me and not knowing what's going to be on the other side of it, not knowing if I'm going to be good, not knowing if someone's going to hire me and pay me for what I want to do. Mm. That is probably the bravest thing I've done. I love that. And I think it has absolutely paid off. We're not supposed to ask a second question, but it's my podcast, so I'll do what I want. Do you ever do you ever have that sliding doors moment where you think, what if you'd stayed in your comfort zone? What if you hadn't made the courageous change? Regularly. Mm. Every time I look at a firm that is doing amazingly, which includes the firm that I was in, I look and go, what if, you know, I could have stayed and I could have worked on it a little bit harder and I could have opened up and I could have talked and figured it out and I mean look at the great culture they've got look at what they're doing it looks amazing and Mm. I watch a friend of mine who was became associate director after me at my at Kendon's Mm. and see what he's achieving and what he's doing and it does make me think what if I'd stayed but at the same time it's very easy to forget the reasons that it makes made me change Definitely. and it's talking with my husband who's amazing support through all of this and he reminds me of why I made the change mm. and why it's good and just to keep going with it 100%. I find this a lot when I go on LinkedIn and I see my old big four buddies who are kind of like making partner and everything. And a big part of me is like, oh, what if you'd stayed? But I know that that wasn't my path. That wasn't what was going to, to fulfill me. I think, as you say, it's about putting yourself first, treating yourself in the right way and following that dream. And that's how we uh, how we create the life that we want. Jamie, it's been a pleasure having you here on, on Make It Count. I've absolutely loved our conversation. This sounds like a very weird question. If, if any accountants want to find out about this company called Zero, uh, how would they find it? But if anyone has has listened to, to what we've talked about and has really resonated and would like to, to get in touch with you, um, and certainly to uh, look at the, the advisory partner role as well, what's the best way for people to find you and keep in touch? The best way to start with would be emailing me, jamie.waddell at zero.com. Otherwise, you can find me on LinkedIn and reach out to me there. But yeah, happy to chat with anyone about any anything that's come up in this podcast. Always happy to have conversations with people. Perfect. Amazing. And I'll put those links in, in the show notes as well. For now, Jamie, thank you so much. It's been great to have you sharing your story, representing Zero, and just helping us to totally transform an industry. And I know that with your knowledge, experience and stories, that um, that's absolutely what we're going to do. But for now, thank you so much for being part of Make It Count. Thanks, Freddie. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope today's episode informed, educated, motivated, and inspired you to make it count for your clients and your business. Make sure you check out the show notes of this episode for the all important links. Please hit subscribe, share it with the world, and don't forget to give us a five-star review. We love getting feedback on this show, and I'd love to hear which part resonated with you the most. 
Remember, you have got the skills, talent, expertise, and experience to make a huge difference in the lives and businesses of your clients. The days of the bean counter are over. It's time to make it count. I'll see you on the other side.